Hi there. My name's Kelsey. Mean Girls got me kicked out of school right before prom. But I made a fantastic comeback. When I was a little kid, I used to get teased even in nursery school about my appearance. People used to call me a vampire and pretend to be scared of me. Sometimes in the lunch hall, people would take their cartons of juice and pour them on my head. When I was covered in sticky red juice, everyone would laugh and say it was blood. I didn't mind that much. My parents both had dark hair and pale skin, so why should I be ashamed to look like them? Because I had a few friends who accepted me for who I was, I wasn't that unhappy as a kid. My best friend Brandon used to tell me that if the other students were scared of vampires, then they were just wimps. He used to compliment me on my striking appearance. Sometimes we'd even watch horror movies together in a blanket fort in my bedroom, and he'd tell me I was his favorite vampire. So I knew my friends had my back. I was happy to pull faces at the mean girls or simply ignore them. But I hit a rough patch when I went into high school. What my mom had never told me was that she'd suffered from extreme acne as a teenager. So one day I woke up and looked properly in the mirror for the first time in a while. I felt shock run through my entire body. Since when did I have all these spots? What was up with my skin? The next day at school, I walked in as usual and went to meet my three friends, Brandon, Sarah, and Mia. I kept my head held high, confident. My friends still accepted me, and I already knew how to deal with the mean girls. Everything was under control. But then when I approached the lockers where the vampire squad, as we called ourselves, usually met, I noticed something was wrong. Firstly, when Sarah made eye contact with me, she pulled a disgusted face. I was a bit offended, but there was a more pressing issue. Brandon was totally absent. Hey guys, I said. Where's Brandon? Is he sick or something? He's not sick, but his mom is, Mia said with tears in her eyes. He sent us all text messages. They've gone abroad for her cancer treatment, and he won't be back for a year. A year? I gasped. Like Mia, I wanted to cry as well. Brandon's mom was super sweet and used to take us trick-or-treating for Halloween. I couldn't believe that she had cancer. And I also felt really upset that Brandon hadn't had enough time to say a proper goodbye. My phone felt heavy in my pocket, but I couldn't look at the text until after school, or the mean girls would make fun of me for having red eyes. Guys, I'm going to be honest, Sarah said suddenly. I got invited to hang out with the cool girls, and you're kind of a bunch of losers. So, you know, now that Brandon's gone, I might not be able to sit with you at lunch today. What? I said. Yeah, don't act like you're not obsessed with him, Sarah said, crossing her arms. Newsflash, he likes me. Too bad he's gone now, but there's no reason for me to hang out with a pimply vamp and her nerdy friend. Mia and I exchanged glances, but our flaky friend had already stormed off down the hallway. The comment about my pimples stung, 
but what hurt most was the sudden decimation of my friendship group. What I didn't know then, a year ago, was that this would lead to me getting suspended, and worse, right before prom. Every day, the mean girls made fun of me for having acne. They moved on from calling me a vampire and had invented all sorts of new nicknames for me, spreading rumors like, Kelsey doesn't wash her face, and I heard her skin so greasy you could fry chips on it. It obviously was more about their own insecurities than my appearance. But with only Mia left as a shoulder to cry on, my confidence started to fail. I stopped caring about my appearance. Things like cute dresses or pretty eyeshadow felt pointless. If I would just get made fun of. You could say I became an all-natural beauty. But really... I just stopped caring about my appearance completely to try and forget all the stress and drama. Mia would try and watch horror movies with me to make me feel better, but she got too scared. When she jumped, the blanket fort fell on us both and I found myself more of a surprised ghost than a vampire. I thought my days at school were going to end in a quiet and obscure prom with Mia as my platonic date. But one day my mom gave me a miracle acne product that she'd saved up for months to buy. It cleared my skin almost overnight. When I walked into school after the weekend, everyone was staring at me. I went to my locker. I was still wearing a simple shirt and jeans with my hair loose and maybe a little lip gloss. Perhaps natural beauty was playing in my favor here. Ew, what's up with your skin? Sarah asked hanging out with the group of mean girls. In just a year, she'd become the leader. Clearly, she'd been a fake friend all along, which was fine, I guess. But I was upset about what she'd said carelessly about Brandon. We still hadn't heard from him, and I wasn't really over his loss. I smiled at her and tossed my head. Oh, you mean, why is it perfectly clear? Perfect might have been a stretch, given it was early days with the Miracle Acne product. But being perfect is a state of mind anyway. Ugh, you're so cocky, Sarah said and then smirked. The gang of girls behind her giggled. We all heard that you think you're going to win prom queen now that you're hot or whatever. (laughs) I said, not really my scene. Sarah was annoyed at how little I cared. She fluttered her eyelashes at me, taking care to show off her expensive nails. Good. Then I suppose we're all in agreement. Only people who actually take care of themselves and avoid, like, pizza face syndrome should be prom queen. Sure. I turned to my locker and opened it. My heart dropped. Hey, where's my backpack? That backpack was really important. It had my student ID card, my money, my prom ticket, and my homework in it. I rolled my eyes and immediately turned back to Sarah. Don't tell me you stole it. Her eyes watered with presumably fake tears. How could you accuse me of doing something like that? Hello, everyone. My name is Susie, and I will tell you what it feels like to not taste anything at all. I never thought that that was possible in real life, but it turns out that it can happen to anyone. But first things first. It happened one spring day. My older sister and I were cycling in a park not far from our house. In general, I can ride a bike very well, and apart from that, I have quite significant experience in it. I've been cycling since I was six years old, but something went wrong that day. 
I wanted to show my sister how skillfully I could get from the curb to the road on a bicycle. But because of the wet road, the wheels began to slip and my bike fell down along with me. I could not manage to control the movement of the bike, so I collapsed to the ground and hit my head on the curb really hard. My sister Melody immediately rushed to me, but I lost consciousness. I came to my senses a few days later in the hospital. My head was bandaged and there were a lot of sensors and doctors around. My mom was also present, and when I opened my eyes, she couldn't hold back her tears. It turned out that I had quite a serious head injury, which really scared all my loved ones. That day, it seemed like the worst was over because I finally woke up, but in fact, my biggest ordeal was yet to come. My mom, being happy that I was recovering, wanted to feed me with some tasty homemade food. As soon as the doctors gave the green light for her to do it, Mom rushed home to bake my favorite strawberry tart. And finally, the long-awaited piece of tart was in my hand, and I was eagerly taking a bite of it. But suddenly, I faced a terrible disappointment. I couldn't taste anything at all. Then everything was like what you'd see in a movie. My mom was sobbing a lot. Doctors were fruitlessly examining me and trying to find the reason for this. And I was crying into my pillow every night so that no one could see it. It turned out that when I fell down and got a head injury, some neural connections in my brain were damaged and I lost the sense of taste. Doctors were shrugging and saying that it would take some time and more thorough examination was required. Although, since then, a little more than a year has passed and I still can't taste anything. It makes my life unbearable and gloomy. I do not enjoy the food that I eat at all. As a result, I have a poor appetite. I lost weight and started having problems with my immune system due to the lack of vitamins. Doctors prescribe me a bunch of dietary supplements, which I always have to carry with me and take some of them on an empty stomach and others after meals. My classmates began to make fun of me because in the school cafeteria, I always had a pile of bottles with me. But then they found out that I couldn't taste anything and began to make experiments on me, adding a heap of salt or chili pepper to my food. My life began to seem dark and gloomy to me. I became more withdrawn and did not want to talk to anyone. There were days when I did not want to go to school at all, and I came up with various pretexts to stay at home. My performance worsened, although before I had always gotten good grades. In short, it seemed to me that the whole world was falling apart around me, and this was all because I had lost the sense of taste. At such moments, only reading could save me. I prepared a large cup of hot tea for myself, sat down by the window with a pile of books, and plunged into the unreal fantasy world to escape from my earthly problems. Yes, I did not sense the taste of tea, but it made me feel warm. Once, quite an ordinary morning began as always, with the bullying of classmates, but suddenly something happened that deeply struck me. One of my abusers, his name was Michael, suddenly began to intercede for me. Before that, Michael was absent from school for several days. Why is he protecting me? What happened? Before, he used to mock me just like everyone else did. These questions were spinning in my mind like flies, but I couldn't find an answer to them. It even seemed to me that he had some tricky plan for me to get my guard down and then hurt me again three times harder. A week had passed since that day and none of my classmates were bullying me any longer. I was so used to being an outcast and a loser in our class that at first it felt totally weird that no one offended me. 
Later, Michael came up to me and asked to go to the end of the corridor, behind the stairs, where it was possible to talk face-to-face where no one could hear us. Well, finally, I thought, and followed him. Michael said that he had been absent because he had a sore throat, so he needed to take sick leave. When he was ill, he wasn't able to taste anything for several days, and during this time, he understood how horrible my condition was. He felt ashamed that he had been mocking me and realized that it was not my fault that I suffered from this ailment. He asked me to forgive him and said that he knew how to help me restore my sense of taste, but for this, he needed a little time. After this conversation, I started hoping that I would become like everyone else again. My mood improved, I began to smile more often, and I felt a desire to live. About a month passed since I had that talk with Michael, and he invited me to go behind the stairs again to have a word with me. There, he showed me a small vial with green liquid inside. When I asked what it was, he replied that it was a healing potion, which his grandma, who was a healer, prepared specially for me. Michael said that I should drink it exactly at midnight, and then immediately go to bed without talking to anyone. Although I never believed in healers, I did everything as he said. When I opened my eyes in the morning, I immediately rushed to the fridge to try something and see if I could taste anything again. The first thing I found was a watermelon. I eagerly bit off a huge chunk, but then I was disappointed because everything remained the same. At school, I told Michael that the potion had not helped me, but he comforted me and assured me that I had to wait and the effect might not occur right away. I fastened on the hope, catching it like a lifeline, and just started waiting. I believed with all my heart and soul that the sense of taste would surely return to me again. But soon, a miracle happened. One of my classmates gave me candy. I took it reluctantly because I still didn't get any pleasure from it, but I didn't want to offend her. Without much enthusiasm, I unwrapped it and bit off a piece and instantly sensed the taste of milk chocolate in my mouth. I could not believe it and started eating more and more of it. Now, I don't know what helped me get my sense of taste back. This could be thanks to the potion given by the healer, my faith, or because of positive thinking. Whatever the truth, with the returning of taste to my life, it acquired fresh colors. I felt complete again. I wanted to study and achieve my goals. This situation showed me that those who we consider our enemies are not always soulless and cruel. Sometimes they're just ordinary humans who are under the thumb of others, and they do not want to stand out from the crowd. Apart from that, I realize that not every diagnosis is a verdict. How important is your taste for you? Have you ever thought about its role in our lives? Share your answers in the comments. Click the thumbs up button and subscribe to the channel to stay with us. I was prepared to not leave my room. I thought I'd have to hide from the boys forever, who were circling around me like wasps around jam. Do you think it's great to be the center of guys' attention? Unfortunately, everything comes with a price. Hi, my name's Elizabeth, and I'll tell you how all the boys at our school suddenly fell in love with me. I live in a small town in New England with my parents and my little sister, Carmen. Out of the two of us, I've always been the ugly duckling, and Carmen, the princess. I had to wear glasses because of my bad eyesight and braces to fix my bite. That's why I was always laughed at. Carmen, on the other hand, was a real beauty. Everyone adored her. It so happened that I was always in my younger sister's shadow. Maybe it annoyed me at first, especially when no one came to my birthday party. But then I accepted it and thought that popularity is a fickle thing. By ninth grade, I got used to my outcast image and always dressed in black. Elizabeth, 
Why didn't you want to dress like the other girls? My mother wondered. Because life is meaningless and cruel, and Black reflects that best. My mom would usually stop talking after that, and prefer to switch the discussion to a more cheerful topic. Shopping, for example. As for my sister, most of the time, she didn't notice me. And at school, she preferred to say that I was her cousin from Europe. Guys kept ignoring me, as if I were invisible. I didn't get too upset, and generally, consider them to be a burden. But my friend Patricia didn't agree with me. She could talk about guys for hours, knew everything about them. Gossip, rumors, their secrets. It was often difficult to stop her. Bob Richardson seems to have been injured and will probably be off the team. I think his ratings would plummet immediately. Patricia was obsessed with ratings. Both of us were far from the top of her charts. But Patricia kept her head up. I can assure you that this year, our rankings will go up. After all, Susan gained a lot of weight and Veronica's transferred to another school. Although, we got a new upstart, Jenny. But either way, this year won't be like last year. I didn't care about the ratings. I was just going with the flow. What difference does it make, Pat? I used to say, everything will change when we get to college. Here, we're the nerds, and there, we'll be the real queens. I know, but I'd like to be a queen now. She sighed dreamily. I wasn't into flashy clothes or jewelry or makeup, but Patricia convinced me to stop by a store and pick out a perfume. A little bit of jasmine and everyone would be crazy about us. The store was small and barely noticeable from the street. No one was inside, except a strange man in a cab near the cash register. He looked more like a magician than a perfume salesman. While Patricia was choosing a perfume, he came up to me and said, I know exactly what you need. You do? Absolutely. I can pick out a client's perfume just by looking at them. And what do I need? A little love, said the salesman and handed me a bottle. I shook my head, wanting to see that I did not need the perfume. It's on the house. The man in the cab dismissed my objection. If you don't like it, you can return it. I was about to say no again, but Patricia grabbed my arm and hissed. What are you doing? Take it. It'll definitely improve your rating. Your friend knows what she's talking about. The salesman smiled at me. I reluctantly took the perfume and put it in my purse. It was weekend the next day. I was spending it alone, as usual, lying in bed, scrolling through my Instagram feed, sharing memes with Pat. Then I painted my nails black. And then I noticed my new perfume. I only wanted to smell it. Maybe love was hidden inside the bottle. I sprayed it on my wrist and sniffed it. The smell was strange. Unlike anything I'd ever smelled before. No, I'm still the same old Elizabeth. I said out loud in frustration. No love here. The next morning, when the alarm clock went off, and it was time to get up, I didn't immediately notice the change. I went downstairs to eat breakfast. Mom and Dad were in the kitchen, and my sister was still in bed. Mom made me pancakes, and then she asked me in surprise. Elizabeth, where are your glasses? I touched the bridge of my nose. They were gone, but I could see so clearly, as if I had perfect vision. I guess I don't need them anymore. I said in shock. I got dressed, put some perfume on my neck, and ran to school. Dylan Morin, the hottie from my class, was standing on the school steps. When he saw me, he smiled and said, Hey, you look great. Hi, I said, embarrassed. You too. 
I didn't know what was going on. Maybe he was just messing with me, and I actually had toothpaste smeared on my cheek. It's just that Dylan never talked to me. When I sat down at my desk, I was surrounded by a bunch of guys, and everyone was saying something to me. Hey, what's up? Betty, you look amazing today. Black suits you. The bell rang, and they finally left me alone. Whew. I breathed a sigh of relief. Maybe it was just a prank. Someone probably decided to play a joke on me and convinced the boys to be a part of it. During class, a note landed on my desk. Betty, I like you. Would you like to go to the movies? Darren, that was too much. At recess, I found Patricia and told her everything. It's weird, but your ratings have skyrocketed today. I don't care about ratings. I snapped. I'm being chased by boys. As I said that, I looked around and saw all these guys staring at me in a weird way. I think it's cool. Pat shrugged. By the way, are you wearing your contacts? No, I can see fine now without my glasses or contacts. At home, Carmen came up to me. Hey weirdo, what did you do? I hear the guys are all over you. I didn't do anything. Sure thing, you must be up to something. Stay away from Nigel. Carmen gave me a stare and walked out of the room. A couple of days later, I had a dentist appointment. After looking at the state of my teeth, he said in astonishment, Hmm, you have a perfectly healthy bite now. So I don't have to wear braces? Yes, we'll take them off now. But it's really strange. I've never seen any teeth fall back into place so quickly. I was so relieved. Although I got used to wearing braces, I couldn't say I liked them. The food always got stuck in them, and... I looked like Frankenstein's monster, but there was something else mixed in with the joy. Fear. I didn't know what was going on. I had a normal bite, good eyesight, and now guys were all over me. That seemed like a lot of coincidences for a few days. The girls at school had all sorts of theories about the boys' interest towards me. Collective insanity, a love potion, magnetic storm. But no matter how they described it, the fact remained the same. Boys were literally stalking me. Nigel, my sister's boyfriend, was no exception. He was waiting for me by the entrance. Betty, you look so beautiful today. How could I not see it before? I don't know. You're dating my sister, and you're always at our house. Exactly. I was blind. Oh my god. Not that, please. Betty, would you like to go out sometime? Sorry, I'm in a hurry. This is the last thing I need. If Carmen finds out about this, I'm dead. I ran home and locked myself in my room, as if my house was a fortress that was about to be stormed by hordes of guys who were in love with me. But is it all real? There must be some kind of magic involved. Nigel's pursuit didn't stop the next day. He followed me around and tried to get me to go out with him. What about Carmen? I turned around and said, You don't like her anymore? I do, he mumbled uncertainly, and then added, It's just that you're different. So, what did you decide? Will you go out with me? No, I answered firmly and pushed him aside. Remember that and stay away from me. But Nigel didn't want to listen. When Carmen and Nigel were at our house together, he sneaked out and came into my room. Hello, Betty. I've been thinking about you. I sighed heavily. Nigel, why can't you leave me alone? Because I love you. He came closer and took my hand. 
I was about to yank it out when my sister showed up in the doorway. What's going on here? She screamed angrily. It's not what you think. I tried to explain, but Nigel interrupted me. Please forgive me, Carmen, but I love your sister. What? That's ridiculous. Carmen was furious. How could you? She slammed the door and ran out of the room. I pushed Nigel out into the hallway and in despair just collapsed on my bed. Why is this happening to me? I should have been happy because the guys were crazy about me. But it only gave me a headache, just like I thought it would. It became impossible to be at school. All the girls whose boyfriends were circling around me joined forces against me while the guys were giving me gifts, asking me out on dates. The girls declared a war on me and wanted to get me kicked out from school. And the leader of this hostile squad was, of course, my sister. During the confrontation, I lost a couple of locks of hair and some of my shirts were now covered in pink. Patricia was the only one who wasn't discouraged. Your rating is somewhere around here now. She pointed to the chart. This is what I call the death zone. It means that your enemies outnumber those who like you. Cool, so I'm in the death zone. Yeah, but you got a lot of guys now. I didn't have enough space in my room for all the presents. At school, all the girls looked at me with anger and jealousy in their eyes. And my sister was the main enemy. I know why he took Nigel away from me. She told me as I stood by my locker. You were always jealous of me. I wasn't jealous. And I didn't steal Nigel away from you. I don't like him at all. He's always following me around like a stalker. Telling me how pretty I am. Shut up! Shouted my sister. I won't leave it like this. I was getting awfully sick of it all. I was not used to being the center of everyone's attention. I was flattered by the attention, but there was something off about it. I tried to figure out what was wrong. It was just that one day, the guy started going crazy about me. Everything was normal the day before. I went for a walk with Patricia. We stopped at a perfume store. <gasps> perfume! I exclaimed. What was that strange man in the hat saying? Something about love and what I was missing. I decided to go to that store right away. It wasn't that easy to find. I circled that block for two hours. I walked up and down, counted all the signs, and when I got desperate, I spotted a very strange sign. There was no business name, just the slogan, We'll grant your every wish. I went inside. Behind the counter was the man in the hat. Ah, the girl who lacked love. He greeted me. How are you doing? Is this you're doing? All the boys are following me. They're literally obsessed with me. Maybe the concentration is too high. He scratched the back of his head. Can you fix it? It's very easy. Just stop using perfume and gradually everything will go back to the way it started. But are you sure that's what you want? Oh yes, I can't take it anymore. I handed him the perfume. It's your decision. He smiled, taking the bottle from my hands. But if anything, you know where to find my store. I walked out of the store and sighed with relief. In a few days, the number of my admirers dropped by half. A week later, no one noticed me. Not even Nigel. It's a shame that your rating is back to the same level. Patricia pointed at the chart. At least I'm not in the death zone. My sister stopped being mad at me. After Nigel came crying to Carmen, 
and she forgave him. The other girls have also cooled down, and were no longer willing to kick me out of school. I was back to my old self. Even my glasses were back where they used to be. At least now, I know what it's like to be adored by everyone. I can deny that at times, it was enjoyable, but definitely overwhelming. I'd rather be myself. Would you be able to enjoy life with so many enemies and admirers? How would you use the perfume? Post your comments. I'm very curious to know. I later found out the full picture of what really happened. It turned out that Mike and Dean had a bet. Mike claimed that all the rumors about me were just fabrications, that I didn't really have any supernatural powers. That's nonsense, Mike said. She probably made it up herself, so no one would pick on her. Okay, let's assume that, Dean answered. Then let's do this. You sneak up on her and touch her arm. Mike tensed up a little. Though he was skeptical, he didn't want to test the rumors on himself. However, the conversation was taking place in the presence of other boys, so the challenge had to be accepted. Okay, I'll do it, Mike muttered uncertainly. Dean smiled wryly. And finally, I show up in this story. It happened at recess. I was getting the books I needed out of my locker when I felt someone touch my arm, just below my shoulder. I flinched in surprise. See, nothing happened, Mike said to the crowd of onlookers. He took a few steps away from me before he slipped and landed on the floor. Hi, my name is Kim, and I'm used to these things. Another non-believer became a victim of his own arrogance, and then paid the ultimate price. Tragedy and comedy. It's all your fault! It's all you! Shouted Mike to Dean, lying on a medical stretcher with a brace around his neck. Dean shrugged guiltily, as if to say, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Here's what happened. About 10 minutes before it happened, the cleaning lady was mopping the floors, and she put up a sign in the hallway that said, Caution, wet floor. But for some unknown reason, the sign disappeared. And Mike, thinking that destiny had no power over him, paid for this delusion with a broken neck. <laughs> Poor guy, I thought. That must have hurt. As Mike was being taken by paramedics to the hospital, Dean still couldn't calm down. Did you see him collapse? <laughs> Hilarious! Everyone around me laughed quietly. I went straight to Dean. The guys, seeing me coming, quickly took off, leaving Dean alone. He tried to act all manly, but there was tension and nervousness in his voice. He was clearly uncomfortable standing next to me. Ah, Miss Misfortune, he chuckled. Do you think it's funny? Your friend broke his neck, and you're not even ashamed. It wasn't my fault. I told him to expect trouble if you touched Kim, but he didn't believe me, and that was the result. I wanted to give him a good slap in the face, but I decided to do something different. Anyway, it's your fault. A victim of a science experiment. Oh yeah? <laughs> well then, watch out. Before Dean knew what was happening, I grabbed his arm. The guy froze and didn't move at first, and then, when he realized what had just happened, he let out a wild scream. Ah! No, not again! Why did you do that? Now I'm screwed! Nothing. Just don't cross the road and don't walk under any windows so nothing will fall on your head. And you better stay away from the dogs. Panic overtook Dean. He looked around in panic, waiting for something awful to happen. The Miss Misfortune effect worked differently every time. Sometimes it could take a while. 
Dean tried to figure out what to do, and he decided he had to run. Forgetting all about the classes, he ran out into the street and disappeared. I went back to my chemistry class. The curse. That's what I called my ability. The starting point of my misfortunes was my sixth birthday. I don't know what exactly happened then. Maybe it was the magnetic waves or the radioactive substances in the cake. But the following day, the first incident occurred. I hugged Dad as usual, and he, five minutes later, fell down the stairs, nearly breaking everything. Then the curse reached Mom. A hairdryer caught fire right in her hands and burned part of her hair. Thankfully, the flames didn't damage her skin. After a series of mutilations and troubles, my parents realized it wasn't an accident. It was me. It was hard to live without my mother's and father's touch, as if I was in an orphanage. The same story continued at school. I was more careful now, aware of the power within me, but it was impossible to avoid being touched forever. So after a few unpleasant incidents, I was nicknamed Miss Misfortune. Now everyone knew to stay away from me. I accepted my fate and the fact that I would die alone, like in a Charles Dickens novel, surrounded by spiders and cats. One good thing about all this was that no bully ever dared to hurt me. But on the other hand, I never had a boyfriend, because everyone knew how it could end. I didn't believe in miracles, right up until Liam showed up. His parents moved to our town, and he started going to the same school I went to. I don't know how to describe it. I guess I just fell in love. The very first day, as soon as he walked into class, Liam was looking around for an empty seat, and the teacher said he could sit next to me. I flared up and turned red as a tomato. My classmates started whispering, Oh, poor kid gets to sit with Miss Misfortune. We won't see him again. It didn't bother me much. I tried not to look at Liam at the time and pretended I didn't care. They could have Johnny Depp sitting next to me. I couldn't care less. Liam sat down, turned toward me, and held out his hand. I'm Liam. What's your name? I didn't shake it, just looked at the guy sideways. I'm Kim. Cool, he said, and turned back to the board. I rarely saw Liam, mostly in biology and math class, sometimes in the cafeteria. Each time I blushed and could barely get out a high, Liam would smile broadly and ask me how I was doing. I thought he'd figure out what was wrong with me. Rumors about me were spreading all over the school. So, for instance, everyone immediately thought I was getting back at Dean. Remember when I touched him as payback for him deciding to make fun of Mike? Dean ran home from school and locked himself in his room. His parents tried to get in, but he wouldn't open the door, just screamed that it was the end of him. Dean's parents freaked out and finally broke down the door. The kid was sitting in the corner with his chin on his knees, rocking back and forth, mumbling something quietly. Diagnosis? A nervous breakdown. Yes, sometimes my ability doesn't work literally, but Liam thought all this talk about me was just school gossip. I mean, people say odd things about others. I was glad he didn't believe what they were saying. But on the other hand, I was afraid it might end in tragedy. The situation became more complicated when Liam asked me out one day. I wanted to say no, but I just couldn't. He was the first guy who'd ever shown any interest in me. I should have told him the truth, that he was in danger, but I didn't say anything. In the evening, we went to the amusement park. I took every precaution I could. I wore a sweatshirt with long sleeves. I even put my mother's gloves on my hands. I looked ridiculous and weird. Are your hands cold? 
Liam asked me as soon as I left the house. Yeah, I answered, trying to avoid the subject. My aunt is the same way. She wears gloves all the time. I smiled stupidly and we walked to the park. Surprisingly, we had a great time. Riding the wheel, Liam won a teddy bear in a throwing contest and gave it to me. I struggled to carry the huge toy around with both hands. It kept slipping out of my hands. Without the gloves, which were noticeably too big for me, it would have been much more comfortable. I had to risk it. Liam saw that I was about to drop the bear. He decided to pick it up and carry it himself. <sighs> and that's when he touched my hand. I dropped the bear and said, I'm sorry, I ruined it. Tears came to my eyes. What's the matter? Liam was clueless. I didn't want to see anyone else get hurt because of me. So without another word, I ran away. Liam wanted to catch up with me, but I'd already disappeared into the crowd. The next day, I found out that he was taken away by an ambulance that night. Turns out he got a severe food poisoning. It was the third victim of my curse this month. Like Dean, I locked myself in my room and didn't come out for a long time. Maybe I should never be around people at all, I thought, trying to somehow figure myself out. But for my parents, there was only one excuse for not going to school, death. So even though I felt terrible, I had to go to class. I was always treated with suspicion, but this time the level of paranoia was off the charts. No one came within a few meters of me. Moreover, I noticed some tension even in the behavior of the teachers. I found out later that Mike and Dean were responsible for the boycott. Maybe it wasn't nice what I did to Dean, but I didn't want to hurt Mike. I guess that's how the hurt effect works. No one wanted to figure anything out. I was, by default, the case of every misfortune that happened under the roof of that goddamn school. <sighs> Dad tried to reassure me. Honey, don't pay any attention to them. Yes, my mother said. Children are so cruel. I knew they were cruel, but what am I supposed to do? They didn't have an answer to that question. As usual, I was left alone with my own curse. Sometimes it seemed to me that there were witches in our bloodline, and this was the punishment for terrorizing people in some small town. But I'm not a witch. I can't turn people into toads. I don't make magic potions. I'm just an ordinary girl who, for some unknown reason, has a very unusual ability. Liam was released from the hospital a week later. I was dreading seeing him. What would he say? Would he break up with me? Of course he would. There was not a single positive thought in my head at the time. How could he stay with me after that first date? What would have happened if we became a couple? What if he would kiss me? It's scary to even imagine. They might as well launch me into space to keep me away from all the people I could hurt. I ran into Liam in the hallway. He came up to me with a smile that never left his face and said, Hey, our first date didn't end very well. Maybe we could try again. I couldn't believe my ears. And you're not afraid that one day a brick might fall on your head? No, why should I be? Then, to my surprise, he took my hand and walked me to class. I expected the worst, but nothing happened to Liam that day, or the next day. My curse was gone, just like in the fairy tale of Beauty and the Beast. All I had to do was wait for a man who would truly love me. It took me a long time to get used to the fact that I could hug my mother. I could hold Liam's hand as I walked. True love really can do anything. 
What would you do if every time you touched someone, it brought them bad luck? Write your answers in the comments, like the video, and share it with your friends.